Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing, and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. But in the book of Acts, chapter number three, we find an interesting narrative. And uh, the first 11 verses, first 10 verses, tell the story of Peter and John walking up to the temple. I'm not going to read all 10 of those. Um, And it states that there was a certain man who was lame from his mother's womb was carried there, and they laid him there every day at the gate called Beautiful. And he would ask for alms. And he asked John and uh, Peter. And listen, when you ask a Holy Ghost-filled child of God for something, you better be expecting to receive something. And the Bible states that he asked them, and Peter said, Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, take up thy bed and walk. And we know the rest of the story. He was instantly healed, and he was able to stand up, and his feet and his ankles received strength, as the Bible states. So he stood up leaping and walked with them and entered to the temple and praised God with them. That's just a brief synopsis. But verse number 11 is where we pick up this narrative, and it states, Now... As the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John. He held on to them. That word held means to cling to something. Almost white knuckled. If you've ever been on a flight and uh, you've experienced turbulence or perhaps you've been in the passenger seat of your spouse driving, it can get white knuckled pretty quick. Everybody looking straight ahead. (laughs) But he held on to Peter and to John, and all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? And then if you flip over to chapter number four, the very next chapter, Uh, It states this in verse number four. It states, however, many of those who heard the word and believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. I can't wait until I see 5,000 filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in one setting. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day. Because it's going to happen. If it's in the book of Acts, it's going to happen. And I believe that we're going to see it here in Kansas City. But if you skip down to verse number 8 and number Acts 4, it states this. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, let me hear you say Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead by him, this man stands here before you. You hope. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other? For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Verse number 13, it states, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. 
But this next verse is the part that gets me every single time. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. Isn't that crazy? We pick up the story where the man can't stand on his own. But we end the story with this man standing there with the apostles and they look at them and say, this is the miracle, we have nothing else to say. Pretty impressive story, if you ask me. Tonight, for the next few moments, I want to preach to you, holding to the miracle. Holding to the miracle. How many, uh, if you've ever seen, there is nothing more terrifying than when you tell a kid to drop what's in their hand and to bring it to you or to bring it to you. What happens is you tell that sweet little kid that is so good at listening to drop what is ever in their hand, they clutch their hand super tight and take off running. And recently, I had this tremendous privilege of one of my children, which will remain nameless, when I said, you need to drop what's in your hand, not realizing what was in their hand, took off running. Now, you can judge my parenting all you want, but what was in their hand was a dirty diaper. And to them, it was a game. To me, it was not. It became a game of chasing them and trying to get to that child before they could make it to another room. But the strength that that child held on to that diaper was almost superhuman. Now, I am six foot three, north of 200 pounds, less than 300 pounds. And I consider myself a fairly strong individual. Now, I don't have large guns like Brother Travis over here. However, I think I, I, I'm pretty strong. But the amount of effort that it took me to rip that diaper out of that child's hand was ungodly. There are things in our lives that we hold on to that we should just not sometimes. That God is saying, just let go, let me do what I need to do. But there are times in our lives where God is asking us to just hold on to, with it, to him with everything that we've got. There are times where it feels like everything that we've got in God is slipping out of our fingers and our fingers have become cramped and we don't know how much longer we can hold on to it. But I've come to remind somebody tonight that when you hold on to God, he will hold on to you. And I've come to remind somebody that when you say, God, I've done all I know how to do, but I'm just going to keep standing, God. God's going to look down from the portals of heaven and say, there's some somebody that I can trust with supernatural things. There's somebody that I can trust to see my will accomplished in their life. And so holding on to the miracle, we see this story. And for years I've read this story and it is always, every time I read it, it always gets me. I don't know why I've read it hundreds of, if not thousands of times, but it still gets me. And the reason being is there is this man who for 40 years had this infirmity. 40 years is a long time to live your life one way. 
40 years is a long time to rely on everybody else to get you to go somewhere, to get you to do anything. 40 years is a long time to sit there and to say, I feel pain in my ankles, I feel pain in my feet. 40 years is a long time to feel pain. And there are some of you in this room who you have dealt with infirmities for as long as you can remember. It's almost become second nature. And, and when things begin to change, you don't know what to do. But I have come tonight on the authority of the Word of God to tell somebody that it doesn't matter if you've dealt with it for 40 years, for 40 minutes, or for 4 seconds. But one encounter with Jesus can change everything. Because when you hold on to the Word, when you hold on to the miracle, that's when Jesus does His finest work. And he sits there and says, you may have laid at this gate. You may have come here for 40 years, but one encounter with me, you can leave here leaping. You can leave here worshiping. You can leave here in the presence of the Almighty. Why? Because when we hold on to the miracle, something begins to happen. And so we see this story for 40 years. Now, mind you, 40 years, Jesus was on the earth. For 33 plus years. So this man had seven years before Jesus showed up of this pain. For 40 years, this man dealt with this. And it just, it blows my mind because I wonder, because without a doubt, this man had heard of Jesus because Jesus was around these parts. He was circling in and out around these parts. And for 33 years, all of a sudden, Jesus walks the face of the earth. As we know for the last three years of his ministry, plus God begins to work through Jesus and Jesus begins to see miracle signs and wonders all over the place. Undoubtedly, this man had heard about Jesus. Undoubtedly. But for whatever reason, he was not one of the ones that got to be there when Jesus was laying hands on every one of the sick and being able to heal them. For whatever reason, we don't know. Maybe he couldn't have somebody take him. Maybe Jesus didn't pass by him. Whatever the reason is, he had an opportunity, but he missed it. And maybe it wasn't his fault. We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him why. But he encounters Peter and John. So here is how this works. Jesus, they are, they, this is the very next chapter after the day of Pentecost. And I understand that it may not be the very next day, but it's the very next chapter. And I find it interesting that the writer of the book of Acts found it important to put this story right after the day of Pentecost. Why? Well, I think it's so interesting to see that after the day of Pentecost, one of the first things that we see in the New Testament in the Acts of the Apostles is Peter and John going to the temple to worship God and they are encountered by a man who was lame sitting there and he had been alive when Jesus was alive and all of a the sudden they, he looks up at them and he says, asking for alms and they say, silver and gold have I not. Now we just read in the book, book of Acts chapter 2 that at the end of it there was enough people were given. But Why? Peter and John were saying, hey, I've got something greater than silver and gold. Sometimes the enemy has convinced some of us that if we could just get to this, we'll be happy. Or we could just get to that. But in reality, what we need is an encounter with Jesus like never before. So that when he steps on the scene, we can say, you know what? I've been holding on to a thought for 40 years that one day I was going to be able to walk into the temple. Somebody wasn't going to have to carry me anymore. But I was going to walk in knowing that there was a Savior on the other side that heard my prayers, that heard every thought, and every time 
somebody said, we'll pray for you in there, but one encounter with Peter and John changed everything. So here we are. They come, this man. And all of a sudden they tell him, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have I give unto thee, take up the bed and walk. So one of Jesus' early miracles that is recorded in the Bible is healing a lame man that was lowered through the wall. One of his other early miracles was healing a man who had been infirmed for 38 years. Jesus told the disciples, you're going to do greater things than I have. So already, the first miracle that we see in the Acts of the Apostles is them laying hands on someone and seeing a miracle of someone longer than Jesus had seen. 38 years was the longest that Jesus had seen. But 40 years, all of a sudden, one encounter with Peter and John, who had Jesus full of them. The Bible says in the very next chapter that Peter, being full of the Holy Ghost, you read down a little bit later, they said his boldness was outstanding. And all of a sudden, what am I trying to tell somebody tonight? That if we're going to be a daily New Testament church, we've got to get it in our mind that we can see greater, that we can see the miracles. Why? Because we're holding on to the Word of God that says, that these signs shall follow them that believe, but also that when we walk in, something has to change. Because when you walk into where you frequent, your family, your work, there are people who have been praying for 40 years. There are people who have been looking for something for 40 years. There are people who have been desperately looking for an answer for whatever it is. Maybe it's their life. Maybe it's their family. Maybe it's just salvation that they're saying if somebody can just show me. See, Peter and John, the day of Pentecost wasn't enough for them. But they said, we've got to activate what we know to be true. Being a daily New Testament church, walking into our world, walking into our circles, walking into our jobs, there is such a burden that when we walk in and wherever we go, whether it's our family, whether it's our friends, whatever it is, there is there's got to be such a burden in our heart to say that perhaps there's a lame man or a lame woman that's sitting here and they may not be physically lame, but they might be spiritually infirmed and they're just waiting for you to show up and say, look, I don't have any great wisdom, I don't have any silver, I don't have any gold, but what I do have is going to change your life forever. Let me just take you to the waters of baptism. Let me just pray through to the Holy Ghost. Let me just help you repent. And so that way when it's all said and done, you can say what I've received today is greater than any alm I've ever been given. It's greater than any sacrifice anybody's ever given me. Why? Because if we're going to hold to the miracle of what Jesus said we're going to do, there are other people that are going to be holding on to every word saying somebody and all of a sudden you're going to walk onto the scene and you're going to say, hey, let me tell you who Jesus is. So the disciples have this moment for 40 years. And listen, I'm not, I'm not even 40 years old. I haven't suffered with anything for 40 years. <laughs> but I know that there are people that have, and I can't imagine the agony. But one day, somebody's going to show up, and there's going to be faith that rises. You see, there are times <clears throat> in our lives where we come in contact with people that are just, they're just looking for a word. They're just looking for a word. This week I saw something that, that troubled my spirit. It was a situation, a health need, and I reached out to this person and I said, hey, I said, do you mind if we pray with you? And they said, no. They said, I would love it. I would love it. Now this person isn't, isn't in church right now. 
That's all right. That's a prime time for God to do something. Ooh. And I, I later reached out. I said, hey, how's the situation? They said, nothing's really changed. I said, all right. So let's pray again. And we prayed again. And we're, God's going to do something great. I know it. We just haven't seen it yet. I was talking to this individual, and they said, I was just waiting. I was praying that God would send me somebody that knew how to pray. And I, I got to tell you, as kind as those words were, it pricked my heart. Because how many people have I walked by that were just waiting on somebody that knew how to pray? In this story... This message became all that more real to me because we've got such a big responsibility as the church to say, hey, you know what? There is somebody just waiting by the gate. They may be hurting. They may be broken. They may have had some life, throw, have thrown them some curveballs. But all of a sudden when Peter and John show up, everything begins to turn around. You see, you don't realize sometimes the impact that you have when you just show up. Because Peter and John weren't doing anything special. They were just going to the temple to pray. But all of a the sudden, they just showed up that day. And that man, whoever brought him there that day, I guarantee you, he went back to them and said, thank you for bringing me here. And when he walked on, I'm sure he knocked on their door and they said, how did you get here? He said, oh, haven't you heard? There's been a little uprising because the religious people are a little bit upset about what's happening. But all of a sudden, the Bible says that it was those same people that were upset where about 5,000 of them were added to the church. Why? Because Peter and John just showed up and they held on to the miracle. And I've come to remind somebody tonight in the Holy Ghost that you've been praying you've been seeking you've been wondering and I take it as your sign tonight that Jesus is in the building and what you've been praying for is gonna happen tonight why because you've been holding on to the miracle you've been saying God I just need somebody to walk by and what's gonna happen is the body of Christ is going to begin to operate and Peter and John and Jesus are gonna be here and say you know what you can do it you can make it just hold on and so what I love about this story is this. I love all of it, but I love this the most, is that two times we hear that this man held on to Peter and to John. Scholars believe that the word that is used here, initially it means clung when he held on to them white-knuckled, but the second time that it's used, it means he stood with them as one who believed like they did. You want to talk about multiplication. One healing changed 5,000 lives. One healing changed 5,000 lives. When the demonstration of God shows up, just get ready. Because that means something is transpiring and there's about to be multiplication. You see, the stories, and Pastor Justin gave us a prophetic word several month, uh, a month ago about that the miracles and the things that happen here at the Life Church are going to be noised around Kansas City and that it's going to bring people from all over to the Life Church. Where, where, where does a word come? We've got Bible for that. Right here in Acts chapter number 3. Acts chapter number four and the rest of the acts of the apostles. Why? Because the demonstration of what God was doing always brought multiplication. 
And I don't know about you, but I can't wait to see 5,000 filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in one setting. So what, what, what am I trying to say tonight? I'm trying to tell and to encourage somebody that if you can just keep holding on, your miracle, what you've been praying for, what you've been seeking God for, who you lay hands on, it might be the greatest catalyst for revival in the Kansas City metro that we've ever seen. And whatever we've been praying for, whatever you've been seeking God for, it could be the very thing that shakes your family, your city, who would you deal with, your work upside down and says, you know what, let me tell you who Jesus is. So Peter and John, they then face the church and people get upset with them and people, religious people, get upset. Why? Because it upset their apple cart. But then all of a sudden, they, they come before them and then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, Verse 13 says, now when they saw the boldness and Peter of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Whew. This is Peter, the one who said, I'm not a part of him. I want nothing to do with him. But they look at him and say, man, he's been with Jesus. What, what, what more compliment could you ask for than someone looking at your life and saying, they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. But here's where this story, it just gets crazier. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred amongst themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men for indeed that a notable miracle has been done through them? and is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. I have come to tell somebody that the enemy has been chirping in your ear, that the things that God has promised you, that the things that you have seen, the enemy is saying, oh, that was just pretend. You've never seen that. You've never felt that. You don't know what you're talking about. But let me just remind somebody that even the religious opposition who were talking about Peter and John, all they could say that these men have been with Jesus and we cannot deny the miracle. I have come to tell and remind somebody tonight that when Jesus steps in, there's no denying what he has done. There's no denying the radical transformation of a meth addict who all of a sudden has one encounter with Jesus. There's no denying when somebody says, I believe this way my whole life, but one encounter with Jesus has changed it all. As the musicians come tonight, and what I feel that God wants to do in this place tonight, and I believe that God's going to do miracles here tonight. I believe that you've come in here one way, you're going to leave a different way. But I believe somebody just needs to make it up in your mind that I'm just going to hold on with all that I've got to the miracles that God has promised me. If you've been praying for a lost loved one, keep praying. If you've been praying for healing in your body, keep praying. If you've been seeking God, saying, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, just keep seeking God. Why? Because when we hold on to the miracle, all of a sudden this man who was a nobody, he was laying there lame and he had nothing going for him. All of a sudden he's standing there and the Bible finds it appropriate to label him twice as standing there with Peter and John. Why? Because all of a sudden, when Jesus steps in, disciples are made. When Jesus steps in, miracles begin to happen. When Jesus steps in, those who were nobodies, who were hurt, who were broken, all of a sudden get labeled with the apostles.
and you're saying, I've come from nowhere. I've got nothing going on in my life. Well, let me just tell you, you're in good company because when Jesus steps in, he can take a nobody and turn them into somebody that can turn their world upside down. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Come on, the enemy has told you that you'll never do anything because you've done so many things wrong. Let me just tell you, this man couldn't find Jesus for three years for whatever reason we don't know. But one encounter with Peter and John who were full of the Holy Ghost and full of faith and full of boldness all of a sudden changed his life. Jesus didn't hold it against him that he didn't find him in three years. I don't know why. But he says, today is your day. And so the enemy has tried to convince some of you that there's no way that you can have salvation. There's no way that you can see the great and mighty things of God because things that you've struggled with for 40 years, things that you've dealt with in your personal life, things that you've dealt with in your spiritual life. But I have come to tell somebody tonight on the authority of the Holy Ghost that it does not matter. The Bible says your sins are as far as the east is from the west and that if you get on your face and begin to repent, that he is faithful to forgive. And Jesus, in his grace and in his mercy, looks at this man and he says, Peter and John, tell him to get up. His day is here. And I've just come to tell somebody tonight, get up. Your day is here. You've been praying. You've been holding on. And it feels like you're about to lose grip. Let me just tell you, tonight's your night. Tonight's your night. You've been dealing with things in your spirit that you're saying, God, I've got to get it right with you. Tonight's the night. So if you feel infirmed in your body, tonight's the night for a healing. If you feel infirmed in your spirit, tonight is the night for a healing. As we stand all across this place right now. I feel the presence of the Lord in this place. You see, it didn't matter that this man had been one way for 40 years, but he was healed instantly. And you see, there are some of us that when we're healed and when we acknowledge what God has done in our lives, You're going to walk into your work and somebody's going to say, you've been with Jesus. You're going to walk into your family and they're going to say, you've been with Jesus. You see, this was after Jesus had left them already. But they knew that they had been with Jesus. When you've been with Jesus, there's nothing greater. This is why Peter and John looked down at that man with grace and mercy saying, I don't have anything to give you monetarily, but what I have is going to change your life forever. And that same presence of transformation and change is in this room tonight. And what God is getting ready to do in this place is he's getting ready to heal spirits. He's getting ready to heal your soul. And he's going to do physical healings as well. So here's what I want us to do. Before we come to the altar, I want us to just lift our hands.
all across this room. Lord, we're here tonight, God, your people. God, some of us have been holding on to prayers and to promises for a long time, God. Some of us have been holding on to things in our spirit, whether it's things that have hindered us from walking with you or selling out to you, God, and we've, we're tired of it, God. But tonight, I believe, Lord, that you're getting ready to provide miracles of the soul to restoration and miracles of the flesh, God, the physical of healing, oh God. But Lord, we are your people here right now. And we're believing, God, that you're going to do these great and these mighty things. So if you need a healing in your spirit, I want you to come to the altar as a prophetic act of faith. A healing in your spirit. A healing in your spirit right now. <laughs> just a healing in your spirit all across this room right now. If you're still in your seat, I want you to just lift your hand right now. If you need a healing in your spirit, come to the front. Don't wait. God's getting ready to do something supernatural. If you're still in your seat, I want you to stretch your hands towards those that are down here in this altar that need a healing in their spirit. And we're going to pray and we're going to release the word of faith. But right now, let's just let the spirit of the Lord begin to do what the Lord does right now. Come on, that's it. Just begin to shout. Just begin to lift up your voice right now. Perhaps you've walked in here saying, God, if I don't get a word tonight, I don't think I'm going to be able to live for you. Let me just tell you, the Lord is here to meet you tonight. You're going to get what you've come for. Come on, that's it. Just begin to lift your voice right now. And perhaps if you're in the altar and you're saying, I, my spirit is so weak, I don't know if I can lift my voice. Here's what I want you to do. We're going to release the word of faith. And when I say in Jesus' name, I want you to just say hallelujah. And whatever you can muster up, and I can promise you, Jesus is going to step in right now by the authority of the word of God and the power that is in the name of Jesus. Right now, Lord, we loose healing to every soul, to every spirit right now in Jesus' name. Come on, that's it. Let healing virtue flow across this room right now. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.